The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and AJ Salveson. Oh, you didn't do it. I didn't do what? I was waiting to hear it. Waiting for what, your, sig- your signature call. Do I have a signature call? Yes. Yes, you do. Can we replay the intro and we try it again? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, come on. Uh, man, a lot of different things happening today. Uh, NASCAR is in the news. Apparently, Not for good reason either. Apparently, huh? you guys are you know talked some NASCAR the other day and got some good feedback, so... Might as well do We're a little back. bit more. <laughs> Where's Carl Smith when you need him? So NASCAR is in the news, um, which I don't know. I guess it depends on where you stand on the issue, but whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, May, excuse me, Major League Baseball. There's a counter count. I don't know which counter. How many versions of a counter proposal this <laughs> Just is? The counter to the counter to the other counter to the counter. It's a lot of counter space. Uh, so there's a new proposal in Major League Baseball. Is it going to get us any closer to games being played? Uh, Major League Soccer, as we heard, they're going to do some kind of an event also converging on Orlando. Um, and uh, speaking of Orlando, the site for where the NBA will be, uh, the uh, will these older coaches be able to participate? And can you can you legally exclude them? Can you discriminate them based on their age? Well, the legal answer to that is no, but what is the NBA doing to kind of uh, protect them or help them or get to the bottom of if they really should be there or not? So some additional details on that and, and uh, what next year's NBA season could look like. But, Ajay, I think the, the, one of the bigger stories of the day is what's going on in NASCAR. Um. NASCAR is is a huge sport, and particularly in the South, it's where most of the race tracks are located. Um, it's a wildly popular in Southern states, and there are a lot of people who feel like the Confederate flag is a symbol of their pride for being in the South. And, and I'm I think it's unfair to associate that flag with everything that. That flag at one time stood for. I, I think that, according to history, as we know, the Confederates wanted to secede from the nation because they wanted to maintain slavery. But I think that some people who wave the Confederate flag or who look at the Confederate flag aren't saying, I sure wish we still had slavery and we were a different country. I think that it has morphed into this is a symbol of, I'm proud to be in a southern state. Unfortunately, symbols have meanings, and they carry a lot of baggage with them sometimes. And the Confederate flag has always been controversial, and uh, others have tried to embrace it. NASCAR has been a has been a sport that's been, you know, definitely influenced by a lot of that. And today, um, NASCAR uh, issued a statement today saying. The display of the Confederate flag will be prohibited from all NASCAR events and properties, close quote. 
Yeah, this comes from Bubba Wallace. He's the lone full-time black driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. And uh, he went out there and he said they should ban the Confederate flag. Well, NASCAR, who had just came out and said just a couple days before, a few days before, excuse me, that we are going to do better with uh, the, the whole injustice and racial situation. We're going to be better. And so when Bubba Wallace, lone black driver, comes out and says, hey, we should do this, NASCAR's going to listen. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? Uh, but good for them, and it's the right decision to make. I understand that, like, it, it, for NASCAR, it's a symbol in a way, and it's not, I mean, they made it as a symbol of, you know, it started in the South, just like you said. But now that Confederate flag has turned upside down, inside out, as another side of a symbol, and in not a good way. Uh, and so you have to, you have to make the right decision to make sure that you are uh, following up with your statement that you're going to be better. If you tell Bubba Wallace, well, we'll make sure to not have any Confederate flags in the stadium or Confederate flags on cars, that doesn't do anything. You ban them, then you're making a big statement. You're following up step by step, word for word, what you've said. So kudos to NASCAR. Some comments from Bubba Wallace today about NASCAR's decision to remove Confederate flags and will not be allowed in any of their events. I think this is, uh, this is something that definitely needs to happen. And, and, and necessarily what I was getting at, Sam, by not, not listening to it or not talking upon it, it was just focusing on, you know, my typical answer was I don't really see the Confederate flags. I, I, you know, obviously I do see them. They're flying high and, and, and inside the infields and, and you read some of the comments of people won't come to races of, of African-American descent. They won't come to races simply because the Confederate flag is flying. And you look at that, it's like, okay, we, we, are, we are a very selfish nation, I feel like. I'm, I'll take credit. I'm very selfish. Um, but it's not about us. It's about other people. It's about coming together and, and treating your neighbors like your brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters in this world. So um, if it makes them feel uncomfortable, let's just take it down. Let's just get rid of it. Uh, no disrespect, but it's it's time to make people feel welcome. That's what that's what we're fighting for. We don't feel welcomed in this world. The African American community does not feel welcomed, and I think we can help that by removing Confederate flags. If it bothers them, then let's 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 make that change. And he recognizes, you know, I'm I'm probably going to get booed. People are going to probably boo yeah. me. You know what? I don't care if if people cheer. Great. Uh, there are probably going to be people who are going to be upset. Well, and that's maybe a question for, because I'm not a NASCAR expert, and I'm not going to pretend to be, but maybe for our listeners who are NASCAR fans, you can text in at uh, 435-339-0321. Does it bother you that the Confederate flag would be removed from racing? A symbol that once was of something positive, uh, of the birth of car racing, uh, is now being removed. So for, I'd love to hear from NASCAR fans, wh- wherever you are, listening here uh, on the Full Court Press at 435-339-0321 to text in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is it as big of a deal as some will make it? And he brings up a good point, and you brought up a good point, one of the quote, uh, that there are going to be some angry people who are still going to carry that flag around. But it's time that, as he said, it's time to change it. It's time to have a mindset that changes now. That we don't, um, that we don't support the injustice and uh, or racial, um, the racial stuff that's been going on around the country for, by the way, a long, long time. And just 
it's more than just Bubba Wallace talking about this mm. now. Other drivers are weighing in. Martin Truex Jr. Um, uh, weighed in on this a little bit, and uh, he's had some conversations with Bubba Wallace, and that's kind of helped him frame his opinion on this. I have not had any conversations about it, you know, and I think it's you know one of those things that um, you know some of our, some of us are just ignorant about, and that um, don't really you know, think about it or worry about it, you know, and then you, you hear, you know, somebody like Bubba talk about, um, you know, how he feels about it and it kind of, it wakes you up a bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, NASCAR is going to do the right thing there and, and I stand with, uh, you know, what they come up with there, but, um, you know, I've learned a lot just from listening to Bubba and his, his take on things, you know, and, um, just seeing a lot of the things that I just, you know, haven't really thought about. Uh, Joey Logano also weighing in on these the, are big time the, racers too. By the way, yes, they have a voice. These are big names that people pay attention to. From my standpoint, and um, I'm probably not educated enough from from any standpoint to to speak much on anything. But um, as I'm trying to learn more, probably like a lot of Americans are right now, is just trying to understand everything. Um, I'm not someone that's waved the Confederate flag in the past in any way. Um, I'm a, someone that waves the American flag and I, and I wave it proudly. Um, and, and I'll continue to do that. Um, and that's the only flag I wave. So why anyone waves the Confederate flag? I, I have no idea. Um, like I said, I'm not educated in that department at all. Um, so like I said, I, I'm part of the United. Yeah, I cut off there, but basically just part of the United States of America and he wants to fly that flag proudly. So, but basically he's he's putting himself in a position like I think a lot of people are like this is not something that they they often really think about because of how they've grown up or what they've been around or who they've associated with. But for other people it is a really big deal. Yeah. And Bubba Wallace in some of his comments saying, "Look, why do you think there's not we don't have a lot of African American racers in this sport?" Because they don't really feel welcome in this sport. When there's wide swaths of people waving a flag that's very offensive to that that group, it kind of makes it hard for you to want to be a part of and be associated with that sport. Yeah, and that's the thing is NASCAR's got to understand it has a lot of fans. NASCAR has a lot of fans. Um, and... <laughs> You're going to probably lose fans with the decision of removing the Confederate flag. But you keep a lot more by making the decision to remove it and standing with the protest in a peaceful way, standing with the protest and making that decision. Yeah, The fans you're going to uh, keep to the fans you're losing is going to be an incredibly uh, different ratio, um, north and south, really, but in favor of you because you're making a decision that's going to support what's going on uh, in regards to the protests, and that's that's really what matters in the end. I think if you were to create a, a, a spectrum of sports uh, or figures within those sports and how they speak out on social issues, you'd probably put the NBA on an extreme of one side, and I think you'd put NASCAR on the other. NASCAR, I, I can't think of NASCAR drivers or owners that have really spoken out on mm-hmm any really politically divisive or social issue. I don't follow the sport super close, so maybe there have been, 
But by and large, I think it would be safe to say this is a sport and the people associated with it that don't dip their toes into these kinds of things. They just go out there and race. They don't wade into any of that. Yeah. Until today. Until today. You know, isn't it crazy that this all started um, because of one death? And I say, I say the ending of that because there's been more than just uh, George Floyd who's been killed by police. This isn't the first time. But for some reason, George Floyd laying on the ground, uh, being killed by this pol- uh, former policeman. All of a sudden, it is just, it's like Rudy Gobert with the coronavirus, really. Just kind of like woke everybody up. Everyone's like, oh, hey, wait a minute. You have, to, I have a voice and I want to share my, you know, my voice and tell you that this is wrong. And then you have these protests and everything. Why, <laughs> why did it take NASCAR? Why is it taken, and for basketball, I think basketball's been better than the other sport in actually like staying on top of it. Of when there is a death, you know, you see LeBron James, Dwayne Wade's done it. A, a bunch of African-American athletes in basketball have wore shirts or, you know, turned their uniforms in, or their uh, warm-ups inside out. Uh, but why was it George Floyd that woke everybody up? That's what amazes me. This all comes from George Floyd being killed. Well, there were, there were things that, yes, that was the, the tipping point. There were things that were leading up to it, but um, yeah, it, it's a it's really interesting world um, for for NASCAR. This is something that they've uh, been able to avoid over time, uh, getting involved with these kinds of conversations. Uh, but now, anytime there's a race, <laughs> as we're getting ready for more races, uh, these drivers are getting asked these questions. Can I take just, I'm going to side tangent with you, and I'm going to ask you a question, and it's not going to be involved with racing, but another topic that's come up now is now Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling situation. Do you feel like he got blackballed by the NFL to not play on an NFL team because of the whole kneeling protest, or do you feel like maybe he wasn't as good as people thought? I I think that it's a combination of both. I, I think if anybody takes a hard stand on either way, I think they're missing some of it. Okay. I think that he was falling out of favor just as his playing style, but I think that there were also, he could have easily been a backup quarterback in many different places. Oh, and absolutely. even the starter for some pro, yeah. from, for some absolutely. Teams. But I, I think that there were a lot of NFL teams that could have brought him on, but they didn't want to bring all of the political baggage that came with him. And so they're like, look, we appreciate you as an athlete and how you may be able to help our team, but we don't want all the sideshow that's going to come with it. But then, but here's the crazy part is, and it maybe was a bigger sideshow than the other guy, and that's Tim Tebow. Do you remember like when Tim, I, I still remember when Tim Tebow went to fall camp with the New England Patriots, and I was pulling my hair out. Like, I swear to life, if Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow is Brady's backup, so help me, I'll quit. I'll quit watching football forever. But just, I mean, the amount of attention that came with it. Everybody was being asked, hey, what is it like, you know, uh, playing on the defensive side versus Tim Tebow? Hey, what is Tim Tebow like as your backup? Hey, what a coach, what have you learned about Tim Tebow? I mean, it was just one thing after the other. So what would make it different between Tim, and I know it's I, the situation is different, I guess, 
but Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick being labeled, I mean, put in as the backup quarterback. I mean, all he would say is, yeah, I knelt and I did it for in protest of, as he says, his brothers on the, you know, in the NFL who were been, and those who've been, you know, uh, a victim of police brutality. But at some point, it would die off, wouldn't it? I mean, after three or four weeks, people are like, look, we're going to get the same answers over and over again. I mean, and then they would move on. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, because what? Because would that last for just three to but four he weeks? Started that to people amp- would move on. Well, but he, Colin Kaepernick, didn't really help himself. He he amped it up. He started wearing inappropriate socks that were really inappropriate. That's true. Yes, uh, absolutely. That were vulgar towards you know cops and things like that. So not a good idea. Right. He he was amping it up. Um, and, and I think there may have been some hesitancy by general managers. Again, I don't mean to speak for anybody because I don't know. I'm not in those conversations. But I would imagine that there would be some some fear that, look, if we bring this guy on in part of our program, what's the next level? Where's he going to take it from here? We're, we're here to play football and try to win games. And is the He's trying to make political statements. Yeah. And do those can those coexist? And I think there was fear that from these owners that said, and general managers that said, no, we don't think they can coexist. We just want people that are going to go out there and play games. He still would have been a great backup quarterback for so many teams and a starter for a couple of teams who really just didn't ever have a quarterback and still don't. You know, and, and this guy's in great shape, has a great arm, and did, did it work out, what, a year ago, right, in front of some NFL scouts or whatever? He did, but that was kind of hokey too. On the NFL's part or his? And his. Because, look, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this workout. I want to prove to you that I can still play. Okay, great. Let's do it. Well, we're going to change it here. We're oh, not going to go here. We're going to go minute. there. And then you can't do this. And I want to have my crew here because I want it to be my publicity stunt. Yeah. And so I think after that, the NFL is like, just like, forget it. Whatever, dude. You're, you're really not that interested in playing football. You're more interested in getting publicity for yourself and your message. Now, again, I'm not. I'm saying that may have been their point of view. No, but you're actually right because that was kind of the voices of what, I mean, Adam Scheffler, Chris Mortensen, uh, and a couple other beat writers for teams actually came out and said that was the message that they were getting is that he was doing it for a political stunt and for show instead of saying, hey, I truly want to play the game of football. I truly want to be on a team. And so that message was actually, you know, brought by by a few others uh, from beat writers and such who had heard from GMs and such that this guy doesn't want to be here. He just wants to get his voice out there more and more about police brutality. And we, like, we get it, but we have a team and we have a locker room. We can't have it divided by one guy. And, and I also think that we are going to see a lot of athletes kneeling during anthems I know. for the next little while. Do you think they stop playing the national anthem to avoid the unrest? No. You don't think so? No. I mean, and, and I love our country. Uh, I respect it. They may do it at a different time. time. Maybe when the athletes are in the locker room. But I don't think that's not going away. Hmm. If that went away, holy cow, the chorus of booze that you would hear. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great point you bring up, though, that, uh, that maybe you do it at a different time. Like you time it when the players are in the locker room. So that there's no issue at all. Players are in the locker room. 
getting ready to come out to the field, national anthem's happening, boom. Like, when, we, when we're at the Spectrum and the national anthem's happening, Craig Smith has his team in the locker room. They're not even out there. And then after the national anthem and such, then they're out there. That's actually, that's actually a good idea. All right, so the news today that NASCAR is not going to allow Confederate flags at any of their official events. How are you reacting to that? Love to get your thoughts. 435-339-0321. We've heard from some of the racers, pretty notable names, yeah. weighing in on it. But as a fan, how do you feel about it? Uh, the NBA may restrict its older coaches from attending or participating in the resumption of play. Can they legally do that, or how can they get around it? And could next year's season, will it be a, a, a compacted season to try to get things back to normal for the season after that, or should they just accept a new normal? And then what's latest with Major League Baseball? There is another proposal out there. Will it get us any closer to having baseball Played. We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The back and forth in Major League Baseball continues. First, it was the owners proposing, what was it, 82 games? And then the players came back and said, 114 games. Then the owner said, "Eh, maybe we'll only do 50. Uh. And they they were threatening that, you know what? We already made a deal, and we have the authority. We can start it and do it according to the plan that we'd already set in motion, if you won't figure this out. And so Major League Baseball Players Association today came out with another proposal. They're proposing 89 games, a full prorated share of salary, and expanded playoffs. So it's fewer games, about 25 fewer games than what they proposed earlier. They are agreeing to an expanded playoffs, but they're holding on to that prorated share of salary. Major League Baseball, a source uh, familiar with the with the negotiations, says it's a non-starter. <laughs> uh, this is according to Carl Ravitch. Some what somebody told him says out of concern for the players' health, extending the regular season past September twenty seventh won't happen. There's a window of playing between sixty and seventy regular season games, but pay still remains an issue. So here's the problem. Um, I'm. <laughs> Major, so Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred today on Sports Center came out and said, hundred percent, we're gonna have a full we're gonna have a baseball season this year. Um he said that the league will make a proposal to the players union and, and maintain his belief that there will be a baseball season. Uh the, the craziest part is that he says that the MLB prefers to negotiate a new agreement to get more games. But if he has to, we'll exercise the right to issue a shorter season. So, like, if the players keep saying no, 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 he's just going to say, okay, you know what? You got 48 games to play. You're going to get this amount of money. Show up. If you don't, you're not getting paid. You're going home empty-handed. So it's your choice. 
Like, I, I think at some point, Manfred needs to put his foot down here, Eric, because this back and forth is becoming too much where it's losing fans like no other. Diehard, loving baseball fans. They're, they're leaving because they're tired of this. Uh, the owners, their proposal on Monday, so they had made a counter, and you guys talked about this. They proposed a 76 game. So they went, they came down from their 89, or excuse me, their uh, 82, and they came down to 76. So they didn't really budge that much. Um, but it would cover 75% of players' prorated salaries. But players want a full. That's share. not going to happen. That's not going and to originally happen. Originally, the players were saying, look, we don't want to do an expanded playoffs. Um, if you're going to force us to do your deal, we don't want to do the expanded playoffs. You can't mic us. Uh, you can't do additional video stuff that you thought could be interesting for television since there won't be fans in the stands. So there's going to be some pushback. Why? Can I ask you a question? And Maybe I'm just lost on this. Why not? Why are they saying that? Why can't you mic them up? Why can't you do the fun stuff? Because if you're not going to have fans, you might as well make it fun for a It's all TV, about making right? a stand. It's all about making a point. So, okay, so it's all it is then. So there's no, like, specific... About ego. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't get that, man. I thought that'd yeah. be kind of cool. Like, to it have would Chris Bryant those guys mic'd up during the playoffs. And, it's I mean, a made-for-TV event. Yeah. It's not a made-for-fans and that'd, stands event anymore. That'd be anymore. so much fun for us to watch. So I just, I didn't know why they, they were so against it, but I guess, okay. Just to say, hey, this is, can't do this. That's dumb, though. That bugs me. Jeff Passan, uh, this latest proposal for 89 games from the players. He doesn't think it's going anywhere. 89's just not happening because MLB wants to end the season by September 27th so that they can play the playoffs by the end of October. I think if there is a compromise to be made here, it's going to be somewhere in the 70 to 75 game range. Otherwise, we're looking at a 48-game season that's imposed by MLB. So what do you think it is? When it's all said and done, you think it's going to be 75, 77 games, or is it going to be 48? My guess is it'll be closer to the 70 range. Because there may be a chance that in the window of games in this regular season that some fans can come in. Yeah. So at least give yourself that option. Leave that door open. Because you're gonna, if you're gonna stick to fewer games, I, I get where the owners are coming from. That look, if we play more games and we can't have fans, it's just costing us more money to play these games. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense for us to do that. I and with the seventy-something games, they still feel like they'd end their season before the end of October, right? Right. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that correct? I just want to make sure I heard right. They want to commit to ending the regular season by the end of September so October can be playoffs. So will that still get, I guess, because it's a best of five in the wild card or in the divisional round, if I'm not mistaken, and then best of seven for the LCS and best of seven for the World Series. Yeah, so you'll fit it in. And you can still do your ex- expanded playoff. I don't know why that would matter. Uh, players apparently, according to this new deal, their counter proposal says they are committing to providing broadcast enhancements for the regular season and the postseason games. Oh, we'll see. There we go. Baby steps. Uh, their proposal includes opt out rights for players. So if you're considered high risk, 
or if you have somebody who's high risk in your home, then you can opt out. And you're entitled to full service and salary. And if you, if, even if you don't have high risk concerns, you may opt out. So if you're like, you know what? This whole coronavirus thing just scares me. I'm nervous about it. I don't want to be put in that situation. Uh, I just want to opt out. Uh, Major League Baseball's plan on Monday did offer a higher potential salary, but less guaranteed money over a 76-game season. So, I mean, at least I'm encouraged that over the last, since the tail end of last week and where we've been so far this week, there have been proposals and counterproposals, and they seem to be getting a little bit closer and closer together. But I'm still highly disappointed in how this has all been handled. We're going to throw out our proposal and let it play out in the media. You create your proposal, let it play out in the media. And rather than getting across the table and being in regular communication with each other. Just screwy. It is. And I'm getting tired of it. I I mean, I'm getting tired of... I'm more frustrated with the players. Like... You can have it's not perfect right now. It's not a perfect system and it's not going to be the rest of the year. Understand that. Put your ego aside. You want to play baseball. Let's play baseball. You say it's about the fans. Right now you're proving that it's not to you at least. You're proving that it's about you and your checkbook. Prove that you actually care about the fans of baseball because you're losing them by the handful, by the hour. By the hour. Fix it. So we can play baseball. So we can move on. So we can actually watch baseball. Whether it's fans or not, we just want to watch baseball. Diehard Cubs fans. Brokenhearted Braves fans. We get to September and we get our butts kicked. I mean, <laughs> we want to see baseball. We want to see our teams play. Uh, by now, let's go. And they're really at risk of not just losing fans from what's going on right now in this negotiations, but if they still don't have it figured out when the NBA and the NHL, oh, Major League Soccer, dude, forget it. all get going on. They're going to get buried. They are going to get gonna buried. Who's going to think about baseball? Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me that when the NHL goes through, it's going straight to playoffs. The NBA, when they come back, just period, the NBA's coming back. Golf, soccer. You're going to be at the, you're going to be in the trunk. You're not even going to be in the back seat. You're going to be in the trunk. Hidden. Because A, you took too long. B, you're egotistic. And and C, I mean, maybe when the playoffs come, maybe we're thinking about you. But really, we're in bed with college football because college football starts and hey, you know, that, that takes precedence over you guys anytime, any day, anywhere. Uh, there's a widespread distrust among the players for the owners. <laughs> well, of course. Why not? Thinking they're just stashing away piles of money. Which they're not. I don't agree with that. The Cubs owner, uh, the Ricketts family, and even the St. Louis Cardinals owner, both of them have come out just in the last few days saying, look, we're really running a Major League Baseball franchise is not not very profitable. Yeah. Anything that we get, we put back into the team. And a lot of owners, they they have these, these pockets of wealth in other areas that allow them to create and and operate these these teams. A lot of these teams don't just generate cash on their own. Um, you know, maybe you can counter that saying maybe they're just not good money managers and 
they're using debt financing and all these other things. Maybe some degree that is true. But I think that this idea that these owners are just sitting on big piles of money and then going Scrooge McDuck, you know, swimming around in a tower full of cash and coins, this is ridiculous. <laughs> nah, it's, yeah, you bring up a good point. And I just, again, I go back to the fact that the owners can't get their crap together. That's what bothers me the most. Like, let's, and I mean, not the owners, excuse me, the players, I'm, I'm sorry. The players can't get their crap together. That's what blows my mind the most right now. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, Major League Baseball, we've talked about that. We've talked about NASCAR. Let's uh, let's keep going through the other sports and uh, get into the NBA. We'll get into even college football a, a little bit uh, as uh, Athlon Sports is uh, thinking very highly of several Utah State Aggie football players. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in. However, wherever you may be. Hey, by the way, can we make an announcement? July 31st will be the Season 3 premiere of the Full Court Press. Wow. The day the NBA starts. Now, on a premiere, do you like roll out the red carpet? And oh, we're going to roll out the red carpet. Curtain, like the big curtains. and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to spit Lots shine. Lots of camera this, people. This is going to be a new and improved season of the full court press coming up on which means by the way so what does season three premiere mean we go to two hours four to six p.m monday through friday starting july 31st we'll be back to our two-hour show now with that is a caveat a kicker and it's this <clears throat> the Chaz might be playing at four o'clock in the afternoon you see the nba is going to be playing games from 10 a.m to around 10 p.m mountain time and with that, the Jazz could be scheduled from anywhere in that time slot. Anywhere. 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock. It's like Happy Days, that song. I don't know if you've heard that song. That's a good song. <laughs> uh, but but they could be playing at any point. And if they are, we'll st- happily, by the way, step aside and uh, let David Locke and Ron Boone take over the radio airwaves, and they'll be broadcasting the games. Uh, and then we'll come back if we have a chance the next day. And we'll uh, we'll take over our, our, our do our do our show and recap the Jazz game and preview the next one and get you ready for fall football with Utah State. So again, July thirty first, we'll start for season three premiere, two hour show, four to six p.m. Again, pending what Chess game times are. Right. Uh, yeah, we we don't know those schedules just yet. Hey, do you know when they're? It can happen that? at any time during the day. Well, right now they're they're going through the safety and health protocols. Okay. And I think once, apparently that's going to be like this huge booklet that everybody has to go through. And so they're just trying to make sure they understand, okay, we're going to do this event. This is kind of the standard we're going to have set for games played and then playoffs. Now we've got to figure out what the health and safety to keep everybody healthy and and safe. Now once we get that figured out, then let's go through the schedule and how we're going to play. So like rule 31.A5B is going to say, please do not touch microphones on purpose or as a joke in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Before or after. The Rudy Gobert rule. Press conferences. Uh, so there is uh, uh, some really interesting questions about uh, protecting the health and safety of those involved in this NBA resumption and specifically looking at those 
coaches, either head coaches or bench coaches, that are in those quote unquote vulnerable categories. Those are that are over sixty years old. This uh, the the stats are out there that once you reach certain ages, you are more vulnerable to getting the the virus and having it affect you in a more serious manner than if you were younger. And so that specifically looks at a couple of head coaches that are going to be involved in this. Greg Popovich, he's 71. Mike D'Antoni, he's 69. Alvin Gentry, he's 65. And so what the NBA is apparently doing is that they're asking everybody that's going to be in, in this group, in this bubble, everybody has to submit a personal medical history. And it gets sent to a panel of physicians uh, somebody that's not involved with your team to review what's going on. So like the Jazz, they put together a medical history of all their players, their trainers, their assistant coaches, head coach, anybody who was going to be allowed to be there. And then they have to submit that medical history to somebody else. Uh, and then they're going to review that. But what's not known is if if they see somebody who's in a high-risk category, do they have any authority to restrict them from participating. Uh, ESPN, they reached out to a a law firm down in Miami, uh, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, this uh, group that's very familiar with this, and they agreed unanimously that the NBA can't exclude any personnel solely based on age. So, again, there's still some question about how do they keep these people safe? How do they monitor them? And can they? do they have any right to exclude somebody from participating? Obviously, if somebody has a fever or they're feeling sick, I think they should have every right to exclude them so they don't get anybody else sick. Um, but, I don't know, it's... It's just another little wrinkle that has to be considered. Well, and it also creates a huge advantage for another team if Coach Popovich can't coach, if Coach D'Antoni can't coach. They're very, I can maybe count on one hand, five teams who didn't need a coach and would have still won the NBA championship. The most recent would have been Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors. Mm, yeah. They didn't need a coach. The coach just sat there, picked his nose, made sure his hair looked great, and watched his team go to work. This would be different, though. Um, the Spurs need Greg Popovich. This is a young squad. LaMarcus Aldridge is now out for the rest of the season. They need him to be at the helm. Mike D'Antoni needs to be there at the helm. I know you say, well, they got Russell Westbrook and James Harden. doesn't matter. They got a bunch of young talent, and by the way, they're playing small ball because Clint Capella is no longer there. They need to figure it out. Uh, Alvin Gentry in the Sun. Yeah, I mean, come on, it is the Phoenix Suns. They freaking need all the help they uh, can get. The Pelicans, you mean. Oh, Pelicans, excuse me, yeah. Uh, Suns need all the help they can get, too. But the Pelicans have Zion, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Redick, and they still have some young talent, and they... And, and they haven't all played together. I mean, Zion wasn't with never, that team very long Derek before Fever, it shut down. Besides, J.J. Redick has been the only two that have been in the playoffs. They're going to need some guidance in this situation. And if it's going to be Tim Duncan... As the head coach, if it's going to be, um, I think it's Marvin uh, for uh, Houston, the associate head coach, they're going to need some definite help. Quinn Snyder and those guys, great coaches, can out coach them with, without even sweating a bullet. 
Brad Stevens is one of those guys who could outcoach anybody. Quinn Snyder is really good. Doc Rivers is really good. How old's Doc, by the way? He's got to be getting up there. I think he's approaching the 60. I was going to say, old, he's yeah. got to be up there. Um, there's a lot of really good coaches who could outcoach substituting coaches. And again, with ease, too. And so you have to, I mean, hopefully they'll allow these coaches to be on the sideline. That'd be the right thing to do. But if they're not, boy, there's going to be some unrest for a lot of locker rooms. One of the things that's still being discussed as well with the NBA is what happens next year with this NBA proposal that would extend into October 12th if it goes seven games in the conference or NBA finals. Uh, there's talk about resuming resuming play in, in, the, in camps early November so they can start the regular season in early December. So it's uh, rather than taking a lot of time off in a normal off season. They're trying to rush it so that it doesn't adversely affect down the road future seasons and then trying to compact it and still trying to get in as many games as they can in a shortened window. And this is kind of contrary to what the NBA was trying to do and has been trying to roll back a little bit. It's like, let's give ourselves more time to play 82 games. Let's eliminate the back-to-backs. Let's try to uh, give more space between games, especially for travel so that we don't have all these players taking games off for load management. But on the other hand, if if at some point you're going to you're going to have to make a weird adjustment on one of these seasons <laughs> if you want to still stick to the standard calendar that you have. Cuz finishing games in October uh is is you you can't have a normal resumption of play. Uh but should the 2020 and 2021 season should they throw out 82 games and that Let's okay. We're going to start in December, but we'll still have the the regular type of avoiding back to backs and, and distance and time, and we maybe only play a seventy game season. Yeah, and and I think that's the biggest thing because you got to give these guys time off, right, and and a chance to to relax and rest um, after you know this many games in this many days, and then you got to have time for the draft lottery, the NBA draft, the free agency, uh, training camp, so on and so forth. You got to condense the season. I think seventy games is actually sixty-six, maybe. I think it's probably your the lowest you go is sixty-six, and that still gets you done by what June, right? If you go seventy, does that get you by done by June if you do it right? Well, I'm not entirely sure, but if if they normally the the NBA uses a hundred and seventy-seven day time frame to play okay. their eighty-two games. Okay, so if they followed that rule. Play 82 games starting on December 1st. You would have your end of the regular season at the end of May. So your playoffs could go into early August, the 1st of August. The big problem here is that you, because the Olympics got canceled this summer and moved to next year, there are a lot of international players in the NBA who want to go participate in the Olympics. Yeah, and that would be going. A full week after the Olympics begin, and the pop and Popovich is the coach too. Um, so they got to figure that out, and they got to get their camp together, teams together, tryouts, and whatever. Because you know, and I think we talked about this long before, but you know that you know LeBron, Curry, Clay, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, uh, and a, like Gordon Hayward, a bunch of guys are coming back to play for that team. So you got to take whoever you want from the uh, FIBA team. And transfer them in. 
So there's a lot. That's a lot that you could put in your brain. That's a long process they have to get through. Yeah, it, it's boy, it's tricky. Uh, there's been a, a a chorus of people saying, "Look, let's let's just start the season a little bit later, go into the summer a little bit more, and let's just use this as an opportunity to make this the new norm." And I, but uh, I can't don't do it. And the players aren't going to buy that either. No, I, I, I get it that early season NBA maybe not be the most compelling and may not have the best ratings. But when the NBA takes center stage, we already have storylines. We already have players. We already have teams that have been developing so that when it, it gains the national consciousness, it's in swing. If you wait until December to get things started, or heaven forbid, this, the uh, Christmas Day, you're not going to see really decent and good basketball yeah. until February. At least. At least. At least. So. That's a problem. I, I I think that, you know, started in December, but don't play a full 82 games. Try to keep it to your calendar the best you can, but I don't see how they can do a full 82 games and be done in time to still have guys participating in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's too much going on. You have to you have to kind of finagle through, and if you can shorten the season, get it done by June. You're then you're back to on schedule, and and shortening season wouldn't be the worst of things either. It really wouldn't. I don't see what'd be the huge deal of shortening the season for this situation. You're back to 82 games, coming back to next October for the, geez, would that be the 21-22 season? Uh, so yeah, there's no there's there's no big change to it. Um, be, I guess there's no big negative difference to it if you shorten it to 70, 66 games at all. All right, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, Athlon Sports, they like the Aggies. A number of Utah State football players have made it on their lists. Players to watch for for the upcoming season. And Utah State uh, men's basketball schedules uh, yes. a Scheduling powered team, an SEC squad, one that they're a little bit familiar with. So... All right, cool. Yeah, break. Sorry, was that your tease? It just kind of left me hanging there. <laughs> what? You want me to uh, hand it off we'll, to we'll you? We'll talk about that next here on the Full Court Press. Doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Hey, breaking news. Uh, Mayor Walsh of Boston. So there's a statue of Christopher Columbus that's in Boston. And it's coming down. They're going to take it down. And so there is like a survey poll of who would the who, who do you want the next statue to be that's going to hang up instead of Christopher Columbus. And they're all athletes. Bill Belichick? <laughs> Actually, he's not on the list, man. Paul Pierce? It's a... Uh, nope. It's Larry Bird. I was guess Larry Bird is going to be my next guest. David Ortiz, mm. Tom Brady, or if you have an other, please reply. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, Athlon Sports today has named. Uh, they, well, they've come out with their All Mountain West team, and they've got a first team, second team, third team. I think they even have a fourth team. I'm seeing. I'm looking at it right now on CashValleyDaily.com, um, and yes, they even they have a fourth 
team listed. So a number of Aggies are on these lists. Uh, probably the the most, um, well, the, the highest ranked of them all is uh, of the eight that were named is Savon Scarver, kick returner. Is the first team selection for USU. Uh, Jordan Nathan made the third team as an all-purpose player. He's got your punt return guy. A junior offensive lineman, Alfred Edwards. Sophomore offensive lineman, Carter Shaw. They're on the fourth team. Uh, Shaq Bond, he's a senior safety. He made the second team. Uh, senior nickelback, Troy Leffords Jr., he made the third team. And then senior linebacker, Kevin Metzenheimer. And defensive end, Justice Tate are on the fourth team. So not a lot of first and second teamers there from Utah State. But there's um, a number of players that I think that's a good cross-section of players that we would expect to see good things from in the upcoming football season. Yeah, 5338 just texted in. Athlon sports preseason teams are very disappointing for USU. Uh, no standard offensive or defensive players on the first two teams. Is that the first two teams? Well, they are, you're, he's right. Because Scarver oh is on a special yeah. team. He's not on an offensive or there's nobody on the offense or defense. Not a standard guy. Wow. So... Is that kind of surprise you, by the way? The guy's an all-American kick returner. Like, No, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, he should be a first-teamer. Uh, what about... Uh, but, I mean, what wide receiver would you put on there? What quarterback or tight end would you put on there? There's some unproven guys. But yeah, but what about defensively? Like Shaq Bond? Well, that's true. Uh, well, he's a second-team guy. Oh, he is. Okay, he's sorry. A I missed that. Guy. I'm sorry. I misheard you then. Okay. Shaq Bond. So there's one first-teamer that's Savon. There's one second-teamer, and that's Shaq Bond. And then you got a couple of third-teamers and okay. A, okay. a few more fourth-teamers. All right. That's still a pretty good list, like you said. That's not, I mean, yeah, it's good. Plenty of guys on there. Could be better, but we'll take it We'll take it for what it is. Um. It's going to be interesting to see what these guys look. I'm really intrigued to see what the Mount West Conference standings come out to be for the preseason poll. Uh, by the way, there's like seven or eight Boise State players on the first team. Holy crap. Uh, well, also, there's some news about Jeez. Utah State basketball. Yeah. Scheduling U- announcement. Yeah, Utah State has just announced today that they are going to have a date with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. That game will take place on December 21st this year in Panama City Beach, Florida, where it will be played at Gulf Coast Community College. Uh, it'll be the final game before the Christmas break. Uh, Eric, you remember that these two teams played in 13 and in 14 in a home-and-home. Home. Yeah, uh, both that teams, was a great series. Yep, and both teams protected their home court. Mississippi leads the overall series 2-1. to one. Uh, But it, really good for them to get an SEC squad again, even though it is all the way in Florida. Right, I think it's going to be a good net ranking opportunity for USU. Have a great night, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The UFC's long-rumored Fight Island is now officially a thing. They announced that they would host four events on an island off Abu Dhabi in July. UFC President Dana White says the reason they're doing it is because they can't get international competitors into the United States during the pandemic. Logistics aside, you have to admit, it sounds pretty cool. It makes the NBA going to Orlando seem kind of like lame. Who knows, maybe this is the first step towards a UFC theme park. I'm not sure what the rides would be. Arm bars and octagons aren't exactly kid-friendly. 
maybe you could have Conor McGregor's Funhouse or the John Jones up and down career roller coaster. If you're a big MMA fan, it would be heaven to sneak onto Fight Island, even though that's not happening. UFC has been able to provide the continuity other sports haven't. Even if Fight Island is just a short-term solution, give USC and Dana White a lot of credit for being creative and hopefully staying safe for the time being. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.